So welcome um, to our second annual baby dedication. So it was actually three years ago, about this time, almost exactly to the date that we dedicated Willa Tolachka with her parents. And uh, we're kind of excited because uh, Willow has an, a new little baby, uh, a little sister to dedicate today along with some other people. So we're glad you're here. Uh, just a kind of funny backstory for those of you that were here three years ago. Tong and Autumn were up here on the stage, and I think a lot of people thought they were expecting. Uh, no, we were just introducing them as going to be helping to lead in jam. And uh, But anyway, three years later, they are expecting now. So in case you didn't know, so um, fast forward three, three years. But, uh, you know, this history of um, dedicating babies to God has been going on a long time. And we want to continue this tradition at Dittenor today and hopefully being able to maybe do this every year. Uh, we'll see. So, But De Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. It's an awesome task to bring children up to love God, love and obey God so they will carry on our Christian heritage once they leave the, our homes. The Denton North Church is dedicated to helping parents fulfill this responsibility. We are so serious about this commitment that we believe it is appropriate to continue this tradition of presenting our children to the Lord. We would like now all of our parents to come up here and make a line with their kiddos, with their babies, just uh, left to right here. And um, do we have, where's Sam at? Do we, we've got a microphone for them. Uh, parents, we're going to ask that you keep your mask on while you're talking, and we'll start here and just go around and introduce uh, your, new, your, your family and your new little one. We are missing one today, Ezra came sick over the weekend, so he is missing today, but we are still lifting him up in prayer for wellness and also today. So anyway, all right, Ryan, if you want to start. Uh, yeah. yeah, hi, I'm Ryan. This is my wife, Nicole, uh, and today we're dedicating our little guy, Jude. He's about four months old now. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's your nephew. Hi. Um, I'm Nate, and this is Britt, and this is our little Danilo. And we are dedicating him today. Hi, I'm Kevin. This is my wife, Brittany. Our eldest daughter, Willow, was the original class. <laughs> and Thea is going to eat this mic, and we're going to dedicate her today. Hi, my name's Adrienne. This is my husband, Ryan. And this is Everett. He'll be six months in two days. The first three chapters of the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel relate the circumstances surrounding the birth, dedication, and calling of God of Samuel, calling by God of Samuel. In Samuel 1, 27 and 28, Hannah says, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. In Luke 2, 22, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. In view of these biblical examples, parents, if it is your intention to present your baby to the Lord today, please answer we do to the following pledges and promises. Do you recognize this child as a gift from God and thank him for this, thank him for this blessing? Just answer we do. 
Okay. Do, sorry. Do you, do you this day dedicate this child to the Lord? Do you pledge as parents to bring up this child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? All right, we're getting better at that. All right. Do you desire the members of this congregation, congregation to help you in discharging your sacred responsibilities for this precious life? All right. Now, church, I would like for you to stand and respond by saying we do to the following. As a Denton North Church family, do you promise God, these parents, and the children to participate in training them in the ways of the Lord? Do you commit to personally walk in God's ways in order to be a living model of God's word? Do you commit to support and encourage the parents to follow God's design for family and child rearing? And finally, do you commit to demonstrate to these children the love and discipline of Christ? All right. Don Frederick was going to come up and do a pastoral prayer for our families. And if you don't, if you would like to extend a hand toward our families to pray over them. And then afterward, Tong was going to pres present our families with a little gift from Denton North. God, we, uh, we approach you this morning and we thank you as a church family for these young babies. Thank you for their parents. Thank you for their dedication to raise their children to be followers of you. And we accept the responsibility as their church family to assist them in every way we can to help with that as well. Father, we lift up Ezra this morning. He's not feeling well, but we pray for Josh and Emily as they work to bring him up. Father, we also want to lift up Tony and Joyce uh, with their baby, Nathan, who was just born recently but is still in the hospital. We pray for healing. We pray for peace for both Tony and Joyce as they deal with this very difficult time. Uh, but help us in both cases to be supportive of these families, all of these families, in sickness and in health. Father, we lift up Everett, and we uh, pray that Ryan and Adrienne will be wonderful parents for him. We pray for Thea, that Kevin and Brittany will be wonderful parents, and that Willow will be a wonderful sister. Father, we pray for Danilo and for Nathaniel and Brittany. And we pray for Ryan and Nicole and Jude. We are so blessed, God, to see our church family grow. That we've gone from a time of where this was just a wish. And now it's an actuality. And we look forward to more babies. And I know I say that and I do not imply any pressure on any of our married couples or soon-to-be married couples. But God, we know that you're going to be in this. Uh, just thanks for this time. Thanks for this opportunity that we can celebrate. Uh, we love you, and we love the fact that we can help really bring a church up from the ground up, something that we've, we've longed for. So just bless this time together, Father, and uh, just help us to support one another. We love you. Pray all this to Christ. Amen. I fully realize that you, many of you, older, wiser people who are here this morning, which it's really great to have our church age a little bit in one day. We need the maturity, um, and so glad that you're all here. But I realize that most of you uh, were here for the babies, 
and I'm following a tough act. In fact, Kurt, as he walked off the stage, said, try to beat that. <laughs> Humble, meek-mannered Kurt, as a side. Not going to be able to beat it, but, uh, you know, I'm going to just do uh, what I've prepared in one day to do, since I was told yesterday I'm preaching. But you get two weeks of me, and so that's exciting. Uh, good for that. Won't be uh, preaching again until after our retreat, which we'll talk about uh, at the end. Um, but I just want to say again, good morning. Welcome to DNC. Many of you uh, who've been here for a while, this is a big moment for us because, you know, when we first came up here, we we're really a church that was aimed at helping college students um, and being a part of Focus and then helping them graduate, now helping them have families. And so our church has continued to grow and become a community church, uh, and it's changed over the last nine years. And we want it to continue to change to where hopefully in, you know, 10 or 15 years, we actually have um, people in their 40s and 50s. And how exciting would that be? And so we want you to know that that's really who we are. We're just a community church here in Denton, growing together. Um, and uh, that's why we do the things that we do, okay? In terms of our staff, in terms of giving here, investing um, we are a church that's very much about um, friendship and about family and some of the things that we've been talking about these last few weeks. So uh, we're in the middle of a friendship sermon series. We decided that it would be really important for us to go back to... Um, you need to text a little bit while I'm, I'm preaching? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, it's fine. I'm not offended, don't worry about it, it's all good. Um, I was brave, I was real brave. So, yeah, uh, we've been talking about friendship, and we need to talk about this because this is something that our society kind of gets wrong a lot. A lot of folks do not have very good friendships, and it's hard to find friends. And so I want to remind you of a couple things that we talked about last week, but before that, I love to come up with sort of cheesy statements. Uh, it's really and, you know, helpful for me to think through things. So here's my one for today. A good friend may be hard to find, but being a good friend isn't hard to do. Okay, there you go. Let's add that to the axiom pile, right? <laughs> Put my name on it um, so I can gain a little bit of notoriety around here. So a good friend may be hard to find, but being a good friend isn't hard to do. Now, I will admit that uh, some of this sermon is really not mine. It's Garrett's. Garrett, like, gave me his material, and I'm supposed to, like, make sense of it. Um, so anything that you don't like from this, just blame Garrett. Anything that was really good, uh, it came from me. Um, this is really fun. Every morning you uh, doing this in my pocket. Okay. Great. Technical difficulties. We're good. Sweet. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. So stuff you don't like, stuff that doesn't make sense, it was all Garrett's, uh, not mine. So recap from last week. We talked about kind of two things, being a friend and having a friend. And I made a distinction between these. It's kind of a, um, a forced distinction, but I, I want to kind of clarify because we're, the part of the sermon series that we're in is all about starting friendships, okay? And what are some of the things that we think about with starting friendships? And so being a friend is something we all have the ability to do. We talked about that last time. Having a friend is that wonderful moment when someone starts being the friend that I am to them back to me. That does not happen in all relationships. In fact, it doesn't happen in most. But it's a really sweet and wonderful thing, and it's how God intended us to live with each other. Some of us, uh, we can call this by different names, mentoring, discipleship, whatever it is, have people, like an example I'm going to give you in a moment, who've had people become friends to us that have taught us friendship, and we weren't even really capable of being the kind of friend to them that they needed. Uh, and so much uh, of the last nine years of working with Leslie, that was kind of my relationship with her. 
She was a much better friend than I was to her and taught me things about friendship. And I kind of wore off a little bit on her, more just, uh, you know, teaching her bad things um, and getting her more comfortable liking things like Fast and Furious. And, uh, but for the most part, she had the uh, good um, sort of influence on me. So we talked about that last time. We talked about being a friend and having a friend, okay? And certainly there's going to be different expectations for that. When I'm building a friendship, the expectations are not always that I'm going to expect that person to treat me the same way I'm treating them. This is the whole model of being Jesus to people, is that we treat people not how we necessarily want them to treat us, but we treat them as Jesus treated his friends. We talked about that last week. He is the model for this, laying down our lives. We talked about how friendship takes time and it takes effort, okay? But it's so well worth it in the sense that God literally created us to have these close relationships with each other. And unfortunately, many of us sort of sail through life without really getting close to very many people around us. We feel close to some people, maybe our family or whatever else, but not really intentionally developing the kind of relationships that reflect who Jesus uh, wants us to be. All right, but it's well, well worth it. Um, I didn't realize, I, I kind of did realize, but I forgot that Brandon was coming this morning. Brandon's here, many of you know, uh, is the leader of the Focus Ministry and leader of the Focus Ministry at UTD. He is someone who has taught me friendship, okay? When we first uh, became friends way back when, um, I had no real concept of friendship. <laughs> I had had a friend my entire life, some of you know him, Aaron Knowles, over at uh, the uh, Garland Church. And we've been friends since second grade. He was like my only friend, okay? And our friendship was basically a buddy friendship, okay? Not to say that that's not a bad thing at all. We had relationship for a long time, but it was mostly just made up of wherever I went, Aaron would follow, okay? That was the one sort of rule of our, our friendship. I go here, Aaron comes with me. I go there, Aaron goes with me. He was a little bit like my shadow, okay? And until I met Brandon, I had never really thought about what friendship ought to look like. And so I'm going to mention a few things that I think I learned in that. But what's important to know is that I am not somebody who naturally has close friendships. I'm going to say something that's going to seem really extreme to you. I never feel lonely. Loneliness is not a word that's in my vocabulary. Now, some of you are going to be like, how am I going to listen to you now? Because that is not possible. I know I, I'm extreme in some ways, but I do not feel lonely, all right? I told something really awful to my wife the other day, and her response was, that's gross. But then I showed my strengths finder and how I justified my personality. And basically, it just said, or I said, I enjoy my own brain often more than I enjoy talking to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so then she said, that's gross. Uh, she hasn't talked to me since. And uh, so I'm going to need some mediation there. But it's true, I have a very active brain, which sounds like I'm really smart, um, and uh, I do, I like being alone, and I don't feel a lot of loneliness, and so friendship was not something that was ever really on my radar. Now, I wanted friends in high school that were cool to do fun things with, but I had never really thought about it until I became a Christian. Okay, that was just me. Even now, my strengths finder, we, we laugh, I don't know if you guys have taken the strength finder assessment, none of my strengths are in the relational category, okay? They're all, you know, the other three categories. So it's a, a little bit of a, a tough thing, um, but uh, I've learned in being a, uh, walking with Jesus that this is something incredibly important. But Brandon and my friendship really kind of happened organically. 
I chose to go to UTD to be a part of Focus. Our group was really small at the time. Brandon, even before that, had really invested in me, chosen me as a friend, even though uh, we were and still are very different. And for years after that, was my friend. He, he was my friend, okay? I didn't do much in the way of returning that friendship often early on, um, but I can look back now and say he taught me a lot about friendship. But this is one of the important things about friendship is that a lot of time it arises from some sort of situation. It's pre-organic, okay? You can't force your way into a programmatic mentorship uh, friendship thing. We tried to do that last semester where we had everyone sign up for a mentor, and it was the weirdest thing. Uh, I still, to this day, can't fully understand it, although Chris Lamb sort of explained it to me. Here's what we had. We had a lot of college women want a mentor, no, college, or no adult women. We had a lot of uh, college, uh, or we had no, this is really tough to say, we had no college men that wanted a mentor, but a lot of adult men ready to give mentorship. So, right, did you get it real quick? So, a lot of college women, no college men, uh, no uh, adult women, lots of adult men. So what we decided would probably be the best thing is just to have our adult men meet with our college girls. <laughs> just kidding. We didn't decide that. That's obviously problematic. But when you try to force friendships like this, they often don't work. So many of these relationships come about organically through small group, through whatever different variety of uh, places that the Holy Spirit takes us. And so we should be always open in our mind to think through that stuff. By the way, I still have no real clue why that was, but Chris mentioned, he said, you know, it's probably because gals, college gals, are like not that confident in, um, you know, where they're at and the decisions they're making. So they're like, you know, I need some mentor. And adult women are like not that confident that they have anything to give to a, a college woman, but men are just like really confident. Uh, in college, so they're like, I don't need a mentor. And adult men are like, I have plenty of things to help uh, young college students with. So there may be a confidence factor in all of that. Uh, but you get the point. These things happen organically. They can't be uh, forced, right? This is the whole point of the Holy Spirit putting people in the body and placing them together so that the whole body operates effectively. This is the Holy Spirit forming our friendships with each other so that we get a full vision of God and God's diversity in his character. And so it's so important that we open up our lives to friendship if we expect to really uh, do what God wants us to do, but more, uh, I think, experience uh, what he wants for us. All right? Uh, Jesus spent an entire night of prayer before he decided who his friends and disciples were going to be. And I often say this, and I mean it, I think Jesus would have had a whole lot more fun with John the Baptist. They would have had a lot more in common and could have had a much more powerhouse friendship. And yet Jesus chose the disciples and chose three from them after spending time really thinking through uh, what God wanted for him. And of course, guys, there's a middle ground here, right? As we're developing, as we're being a friend to someone, sometimes those friendships will come back our way. But I want to say this before I get into these three practical points here. We need to be very wise about friendships, wise and cautious about friendships, they're all about agreement and feeling good. Okay, because agreement or alignment of values and beliefs, <clears throat> excuse me, and feeling good are a product of good friendships. But if they're the foundation of a friendship, they will always fail because we're demanding that that person be in agreement with us and demand that they make us feel good. 
And that is not how Jesus treated friendships. He chose us. He loved us. He invited us in to be his friends and didn't demand we produce anything as a result. And too many of our friendships, uh, if we're not careful, can become simply about agreement and feeling good rather than sacrifice and servanthood, as we talked about last time. All right, Brady, uh, one of the ministers up at CCF, talks about friendships are about, you know, people being complimentary, you know, fork and a knife. We had a men's event the other day where we had all spoons. It was really pretty tough to eat. Okay? Friendships aren't about spooning. You're not supposed to just be two spoons. All right, maybe that was a little too far. I'm sorry. It's baby dedication. They're not old enough to hear it yet, so we're fine. It's not two spoons. Okay? We're complimenting each other. Complimenting each other. We're not just going back to the parts of the body example, two eyes, two ears. It's about bringing together people of all races, of all ages, of all visions of life and purpose and preference and area so that God's kingdom uh, can be fulfilled. Okay? So he invites us in. So I want to give you kind of three practical ideas here uh, that I think will be helpful uh, as we sum up this section of uh, that's kind of been more theory and more about starting friendships. And then I'll, I'll take some questions and then we'll have um, communion. Uh, Nate Dolores is going to come up and do communion for us. So number one is don't expect judge people to be one way or another. Okay? Don't, <laughs> don't expect or judge people to be this way or that way. Let your observations lead your expectations. Okay? We have a lot of expectations when we come to friendship. Oh, they're a college student. Or, oh, oh they're this... Uh, race. Oh, oh, they're from this area. They have this much money. They do this as a major. Let your observations lead your expectations and friendship. This is Garrett's idea, so if you don't like it, please blame him. Okay? But I actually thought it was a pretty good one, although I did have to call him and ask him what he meant. Too many of us come into relationships starting off with way too many expectations about the person, about how it ought to go, about what we're going to experience, and aren't spending time observing that person and the things that are actually taking place in the relationship. That's really hard for a lot of us. We do this with small talking conversations. We expect when someone brings up this topic or that topic, whatever, you know, we just expect how it's going to go. But we need to be way more open-minded in terms of how we approach relationships way more open to observe how people are saying things, where they're from, what their perspectives are, rather just expecting. And honestly, a lot of times expectations will cause us from even starting up a conversation or starting up a relationship in the first place. I do this all the time. I'm so guilty uh, of just not wanting to meet with a lot of college students because I'm like, oh, I've been there, done that. They're going to talk about the exact same five conversations, you know, you know, list them down. And sure, that's probably uh, partially true. But there's also an aspect of all of that that always surprises me when I connect with people, uh, regardless of what age, where they're from, what life place they're in. So don't expect or judge people to be this way or that. Um, lead with observation. I had someone come build a computer for me yesterday, uh, which is all the more reason why it was so hard for me to plan a sermon this last 12 hours, because I really just wanted to fly my new flight simulator. Um, but a sacrifice for you all so that you could hear this wonderful friendship sermon. Uh, and this friend I've been friends with for a long time, since 2003. Some of you know him, some of you don't. Alex Soriano, it's been probably two years since we've actually hung out, but we always text back and forth and those kinds of things. Alex and I couldn't be more different from each other, all right? 
Um, our personalities are different. He's very straight-laced and like kind of military family. And even sometimes when he communicates, I always I kind of forgot just how much he clarifies small details. And I'm like, skip the details, skip the detail. Let's move on. Let's get to the next point. But just spending the entire day with him yesterday uh, reminded me of how strange and wonderful friendship is in God's kingdom. How God could bring together two people, and I have a variety of these kinds of friendships, that just don't match up. And this is even crazier when you start thinking about nationalities and tribal groups and particular communities that were, you know, at one point at each other's throats. It's obviously a much bigger example, but in my life, it's about people being brought together who are very different, that God is reflecting in those friendships who he is, okay? And when all we see around us so often are friendships that lack that kind of um, complexity, Okay, so personality. Sometimes we judge people based on personality. Sometimes it's life stage or even just the seasons that they're in. You know, some people, we get with them and our response is that they're just too overwhelming. They have too much to share. They're too negative. And sometimes that needs to be dealt with. And other times it's just they're in a rough season. I rekindled a friendship with someone that I haven't had uh, been around for almost six years because his marriage was sort of falling apart. And we redeveloped that friendship because it was a season in his life where he needed me to be there. And he's been a good friend to me, but there's been distance between that relationship and friendship. All right? But if I were to judge that up front, if I were to, you know, say, well, this person's just generally negative, rather than being willing to meet with them, get with them, um, eh, we, we, can, we can do that very easily. We can allow our expectation of their life cycle, the stage they're in, the season of the relationship, whatever, all of those things. It could go down to beliefs, views, expressions, or experiences and expressions, preferences. You guys get the perspective here or get the idea. The idea is simply that we judge first often, and our expectations are based on those judgments rather than going into these relationships uh, and letting God do what he does and make the observations where how can I be this person's best friend in this moment at this time in their life, okay? And choosing that. All right. The second one uh, is, and we're going to get more into this in the, um, I guess, the, probably the third session where we're going to talk about conflict. When there are issues in our friendships, particularly issues where, um, you know, whatever, the personalities are, you know, uh, uh, at opposition or at odds or whatever. We're not talking about conflict here, but just when there are issues, deal with your issues first. Laying down my life for other people means that I deal with my own issues before I work to deal with theirs, okay? Guys, a lot of stuff we just need to get over or talk about it, but our first go-to is just to ignore it completely. If someone talks the entire time when you guys get together, tell them that they talk the entire time or be better at breaking that up and asking questions or just get over it <laughs> and figure out ways uh, to insert into the conversation. But for a lot of things, we just kind of need to get over stuff to figure out our issues first uh, and, then, uh, and then deal with any issues we're, uh, we're experiencing. Um, so get over or talk to, to them about it. I remember, somebody's shared this with me before, but I remember I had a friend in uh, um, college who uh, just smelled strongly of curry, okay? Really strong curry smell. And uh, I don't like particularly like Indian food, but curry doesn't really bother me that much. And uh, this is someone that I actually went and bowled with like two or three weeks ago, uh, haven't seen in quite a few years. And um, I took him to uh, a family's house 
uh, and that family was just asked me, they were like, can you tell him to like wear cologne or something? And I'm like, what? How am I going to tell this person to wear cologne? Uh, and you know, culturally, that's whatever. How is that going to happen? So literally, I told the person, I was like, hey, listen, um, you know, this family really loves having you there, but one of the things in American culture that, uh, you know, when you go to a place, you try to kind of like smell really good rather than just smell of food. And I was like, and there's the end of that friendship. And he just looked over at me and he goes, you know what? I know you're my good friend because you were honest and told me uh, to do that. Now, the next time we hung out, he smelled like cologne and curry. And uh, it didn't change the smell at all. But that's fine. We stopped hanging out with that family because you know what? Get over it. Uh, Okay, so... Get over it or talk about it. Don't ignore issues. Expect the best in others, okay? And be honest about yourself. You change yourself first, all right? Uh, And you expect the best in other people. Even in our conversations with people, often they'll say something that's hurtful or harmful. Do you expect the best? Do you ask questions? Or do you simply, um, you know, get upset and then sort of move on? Guys, it's so amazing to me how small issues become huge obstacles for friendships in the world. Some small things happens, and then they just cease to be friends anymore. That's not okay. It really isn't okay. It should take us a lot to not be someone's friend anymore, okay? And then I think one of the most important things, particularly when it comes to issues, is just praying a lot, okay? We need God's perspective a lot when it comes to relating with other people. And one of the things that I think is kind of a side thought here is that a lot of us try to achieve Uh, our self-worth from our relationships, that's never going to work. It's going to leave you broken and leave them broken if your self-worth comes from the friendships and relationships you have. Guys, God gives us worth and infinitely, and we operate from an understanding that we're worthy and valuable, and we express that in our relationships with others. We are not trying to get value from our relationships, okay? Okay? We're not trying to be reminded that I'm an important person, I'm a good person. We get that from God and God alone. And that's hard. Now, obviously, I'm not saying God's enough and we just sort of cease to have, you know, relationships. That being aloof in relationships like I I tend to be is not the response there either. Um, But we have to know that God ultimately gives us that value and not some friend or person, uh, you know, that we interact with. All right, my last one here. And I think this one is something a lot of us older adults need to hear because we've forgotten about these days. Ready? Meet with anyone, anywhere, anytime, knowing that the Holy Spirit is a little freaky when it comes to putting people together. All right? In friendship. Meet with anyone, anywhere, anytime. We've got to be open beyond our small windows that many of us have for friendship. If you can meet me in this time, on this day, at this place, in this way, and be this kind of person, I'll be your friend. We've got to drop that. Jesus dropped that. Okay? We've got to be able to relate with anyone, anywhere, anytime, knowing that the Holy Spirit can put together uh, people. Okay? So we have to be very careful of holding on to... uh, or filling up our time with old friendships, fun friendships, easy friendships that don't bear much fruit. OK? 
Okay, as we think about living our life as disciples, we want relationships that bear fruit. And that's why we should always kind of have an ongoing balance, diversity, think of an investment, whatever you want, of friendships coming in, going out, being out there in the fringes, some being closer, as we are bearing fruit, as Jesus is working in those relationships to accomplish his purpose. All right? So don't let the old, fun, easy uh, relationships that don't bear much fruit fill up your schedule each week, and those be the ones that you tend to go to. We need to be uh, open. And yes, guys, of course there's boundaries, but don't use this boundaries conversation as an excuse to sin. Boundaries isn't about just preferences, okay? Now, I'll give you a really easy example of boundaries. I can meet with about two people a day before I go crazy. Maybe three if it's like I have nothing else to do that day. But I really prefer one. Leslie is crazy. She can meet with six people a day and really enjoy it. I'm not that way. My boundary is two, maybe three. Her boundary is who knows what, okay? <laughs> but yes, there are some of these fixed things, and we need to consider that and not go crazy and feel really guilty about it. But beyond that, Constantly worrying about boundaries is often just an excuse for us not to have to get close to people and not have to sacrifice and be a servant to them. And we will talk about this. This next section is all about how deep is deep, what, how close should I be with people, what are the boundaries, and we'll delve into that uh, in the coming weeks. Okay? But guys, make it a goal in your relationships to find commonality, shared interests, make relationships fun. Okay? And we often have to sacrifice how we see fun, okay? A lot of times. One of my favorite examples goes back, to, again, to Brandon, and Brandon not being a sporty guy when he first came to college, and now he can whoop me at racquetball, okay? Really, really good. Sacrifice his version of fun, his idea of fun, so that he could uh, play with us uh, and, you know, and do the sports thing, be sporty. So now we'll just wait for Josh to follow along that, uh, that line play a little sports ball with us all, all of us sporty people at DNC. So, making those relationships uh, fun. Because I think that's one of the things I hear the most from a lot of us, is just that relationships, when we start off, are just not that much fun. Yeah, guys, you build fun into a relationship, okay? It's a lot more rewarding to build and develop fun in a relationship, because it's long-lasting, it isn't temporary, and based on some shallow thing that you had interest in up front that goes away uh, you know, tomorrow. We build fun into those things, and we learn how to have fun in different ways. This is one of the things I love so much about my mom. My mom is so good at trying to put people together who have shared interests. Sometimes she goes a little too far. She's like, oh, you like the earth? You too? Okay, good relationship. <laughs> but most of the time, she does a really good job of placing people together who have shared interest. Um, and so that's... Uh, Something that, uh, that I really, uh, I think, enjoy, and I think that's important. So, in conclusion, let's go be friends, okay? To anyone and everyone, knowing that a few will actually become friends back, have friends, however we want to think about that, okay? And be an actual example in a world where it is so poorly done, where it's a boring topic to consider, a weird thing to think about. We're going to go be spiritual and somehow not actually challenge ourselves to relate to people in a way that's deep and meaningful. We've got to get outside of that. So as always, uh, we take some questions and answers, and I think uh, this one in particular will take some Q&A for the entire topic of just starting up friendships. 
Uh, this sermon was meant to be a lot more coaching, teaching, kind of just give you some specific ideas for how to get past the hump uh, of, um, you know, kind of stagnating in some of your friendships. So w- what questions do we have before we move on to uh, our communion and then our, uh, our announcements? Yeah, that'll work. Assume or expect. Insert whatever word you prefer. No, I don't. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's the idea of, of calling people to, uh, calling yourself to a higher standard, but also calling people to a high standard in Jesus. So assume the best. Yeah, you know, when my brain gets going, words don't really matter anymore. At one point, I'm sure I'm just going to preach a sermon up here that's just, the words don't even make sense. It's just sounds, and maybe then we'll be truly be Pentecostal. Yeah, yeah, question. Yeah. So first of all, the question was just, when should I let it go? When should I talk about it in relationships? Well, um, first of all, I'm not talking about conflict necessarily because we're talking about the start of relationships. We're just talking about issues. I use the word issues. Issues are often issues of preferences or um, beliefs or you know whatever else. And so I think the best way to phrase that uh, or think about that is when the issue. Um, sort of deters you from having a close and healthy relationship with someone, bring it up. But when it's really kind of ultimately about you know, your preference on something, particularly early on in a relationship, you ought to just get over it uh, and sort of you know, take up your cross. I, to get outside of anything real specific, I would say. You know, one of my biggest issues is being talked at. Um, I don't like people who talk a lot because I don't talk a lot. In, in fact, but I think that's part of the problem is that I'm really quiet until I come up with something interesting. And so sometimes I just sit there steaming that they're talking to me the whole time. And then I realize after, I'm like, I didn't really have anything to talk about. So it's kind of fine that they talked at me. Uh, as long as there's a difference between people who are verbose and they just talk because they feel comfortable and they don't want any silence. And people who just like, you talk and they don't hear you and don't even respond to you. That you got to mention. Because there's no way to have a healthy relationship if someone's just talking over you, you know, all the time. But someone who's just verbose, yeah, they're just verbose. You know, take it as an opportunity to, you know, get to know them. They're just already interrogating themselves. So <laughs> it's really wonderful. Yes, Justin. Yeah. So a general boundary question, and I'm just going to refer that we'll do that this entire next section. So four or five weeks just on boundaries, because a lot of you guys were talking about boundaries. That's a really cool word that people use now today to basically mean, how do I get out of doing what I don't really want to do? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was like a real, people were like, oh, he isn't, I'm going to be in so much trouble for saying that this week. All of you who've studied boundaries and you know it and you are going to get on my case. No, we're going to talk about that, okay? But right now, I'm just going to refer to that. It'll be happening in four, uh, you know, the next four weeks. And for now, what I mean is just sort of more boundaries in terms of what you can handle, what you can't. Guys, one of the important things about friendship is you're not in college anymore. You can't meet with people every week a lot of times. It's tough. Now, some of you can, but I would rather have a good conversation with a friend for two or three hours once a month than meet them every other week or something, uh, you know, for, I don't know, an hour. This isn't counseling. Too many of us treat our relationships as if we're counselors. We're not counselors. We're friends, mentors, disciples, whatever you want to think about it. Uh, so that is important that we create good boundaries so that we're not exhausted uh, all the time in our relationships. And some of us are pretty introverted, and we can talk about that later. Kevin, you're the last one, and then we're going to move on. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's a good question. I don't really have a great answer for it. The question is how much do we be friends to people and how much do we have friends? That's my quick categorization of it. But the idea of having friends that you're really kind of pouring into, mentoring, 
um, and friendships that, um, you know, are more, you know, kind of even, uneven. L- let me just say it like this. People who you're being friends to have the potential to bring that friendship back to you. When you just have a lot of friendships that are already friendships, not that there's not growth, because there is growth, but there's just not that possibility, right? So I think there should be an emphasis on being friends to people and constantly having new relationships and relationships where we're developing a friendship. And sometimes it's less important, particularly the more you mature, to just spend time with all these people who are sort of you know easy friendships. That's my quick assessment of it. Um, but we'd have to go into that quite a bit, but we will in the boundaries and close relationship stuff these next uh, four weeks. These are all really good questions. Sorry, I don't have really good answers. Um, but I want to end this time, and uh, I'll say a prayer uh, just for uh, kind of our transition to the next topic, and then Nate's going to come up and lead us in communion. And then after that, uh, Josh will do announcements, and we will get out of here. God, thank you so much for the people that you've placed in our lives, the people who have changed us through your Holy Spirit, who've given us perspective, who've been there uh, for us when we have had nobody else, uh, who have continually spoken your words. God, help us to be people uh, who are friendly and have friendships and uh, really treat people the way you want us to treat them. Thank you so much for these babies and uh, just for uh, the potential that they represent and uh, pray for safety over them and that as a church we would really parent them and their parents would really love them and care for them and, um, and just model who you are to them. We love you, Lord, and thank you. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at dentonnorthchurch.com.